No, it's the Creator Spaces show. Do you consider yourself a creator? That's a great question. If you asked me that six or seven months ago, I would probably would have said no. But ever since joining On Deck and getting neck deep into the startup space and noticing a lot of what I do day to day involves Twitter, Substack, and all these like creator platforms, I just started a podcast recently. So now I'm much more intentional and I want to spend the next five to 10 years becoming a better creator, a more prolific creator. So yes. Awesome. And so you mentioned a podcast. What exactly do you create? I launched a podcast called Building Public Podcast a couple of months ago. I think I did it almost a spur of a moment. I've been getting quite a few questions around the themes of building in public, just building on Twitter, sharing with makers and founders in general. And I went back and forth with Alex Lieberman, co-founder of Morning Brew on Twitter. And we, we aligned on a lot of issues, a lot of topics on building in public and believed in it. And so I decided I wanted to double click and expand on that conversation and just make it into a deeper long form conversation. It's called building public. And we talk about mental models and different techniques and practices we, we practice, we use to build in public and I interview entrepreneurs, creators, and people that I look up to and admire that I can learn from. And just last week I had Gary Vee on the show. It's coming, we're still editing, it's coming out soon. Awesome. I'm interested, do you see being a creator and making things with no code as themes that tie together? Do you think yes. that there's a lot of no-code makers who are already creators and just don't know it yet? Exactly. Yes. I mean, I'm exhibit A. Like I was a no-code creator, no-code builder for about two and a half years. I started in October 2018 with a tiny, teeny project called DoThingsThatDon'tScale.com, which ever since I tasted the power and the magic of building and shipping and getting feedback from people, iterating, it turned me into this lifelong, curious builder. And so I, ever since that project, I built 11 projects. Just recently, as I was wrapping up my Eternity leave, going back to working at On Deck, I built a new site called extensionly.com, which is centered around Chrome extensions and like recommendations for really cool Chrome extensions. And I built that in four hours. And I did that almost as a sort of needing a quick win because I'd been being this new dad, not spending enough time with creators and creative things, just wanted to get back in, in, in the game. And so to your point, yeah, I think a lot of no-code makers today, whether they know it or not, if they are able to bring something into life using any of the no-code tools that are available today, I think you are on the line, uh, on the path of being a creator. And so how do you go about building your audience up now? It's a great question. I was chatting with Gary Vee about this and I was telling him how like maybe 10 years ago, he gave the formula out. The formula that I'm referring to is give and ask. It's really nine times giving and one time asking. Yeah. The hardest part about that is two things. One, a mental shift. Like a lot of us were raised in situations, circumstances, societies, communities that were very scarcity minded, which means that if I gave you my apple, I don't have any apple left. But if you think about ideas, if you think about content, it's actually the other way around. If I have an idea, if I share that with you, we both have two ideas. Mm -hmm. So I think the scarcity mindset around, oh my God, someone's going to steal my idea. Oh my God, someone's going to steal my four tips about Twitter or five tips about no code. All of that stuff is a big mental blocker. So for me, I had to work through that whole psychological limiting belief to become a much more generous giver. That's one thing. The second thing is figuring out what should I give? What is that that people want from me? That's more of the sort of experimental thing. So you, if you sum it up, I want to say that 
you have to embody the mindset of a giver, first up. And the second step is becoming an archaeologist and someone who studies patterns and things that are actually working. So you have to put out a lot of different stuff and slowly observe which of these things are actually resonating the most with my audience. And that comes from a lot of experimentation, tinkering. And at some point, you'll know this. You're like, oh my God, this is the stuff that people want more from me because they'll DM you, like retweet you. They'll do stuff that you didn't ask for. Then doubling down from there is the goal. Was there a thread or a tweet or a moment when you felt like you really had that fit with your audience? I can't recall like one specific thread, but I remember, I think it was July 2020 when I noticed that I went from, I started my journey at like 300 followers and getting to the first thousand was so hard, was so freaking hard on Twitter. I was like, oh my God. It's a, and also, like, like I said, like it was also a mental journey where <laughs> I didn't realize that I had anything of value to share. So I was not sharing as much as I should have. Yep. But after that, like once I hit that one, mark. But once you get a hang of it, you realize that, okay, this is how it works. So I think with the 1 to 3K was where I experimented a lot. And I realized a lot of my obvious advice and to me, which is very obvious functional knowledge that I already knew about building a waiting list. Like I did something called Kappa last year, which was a no-code project. I used this technique of using a waiting list. I learned that from one of the other examples. I think it was Grocer or something. And I built a referral link and a waiting list. And so I actually wrote a thread that was a screenshot by screenshot depiction of what I did in terms of that waitlist thing that I used to get to 2,000 email subscribers joining for Kappa. And so that resonated so widely. People loved it. There were so many shares, reshares. And so I realized that around that time, July is when I realized that, okay, if I actually put out content that's very specific to the stuff that I did, like firsthand experience, and make it a longer form content like Threads, People will like that stuff. So I kept pounding on that ideal customer profile, which is founder slash creator slash indie hacker. And I kept doing it over and over again. I think after three or four times, a lot of people kept quoting me as the building public guy. Hey, you got to check out this building public thread from KP. You got to check out because I was showing them screenshots. So over time, I think by August, I realized that screw it. I'm just going to be the building public guy. I'm going to own it. I might as well just own it. And I started tweeting more about that niche. And I look back recently, I did a search. I think I had about 600, 700 tweets on the topic of building in public. So that puts you already in the top 1% of anybody in the topic. So it's a journey. I'm interested then, it doesn't sound like you really started out planning to be the build in public guy. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> I actually thought I was going to be the community guy. In fact, I thought so many other things, like a founder guy, or I was going to like do Naval style, like platitude advice, or one-liners, or whatever. <laughs> you try a lot of things. And the funny thing I joke about to some of my friends is like the wand finds the wizard. The niche finds the person. You don't go find the niche. So let's say you and I were like super stoked about NFTs because we're reading up about it. And you and I start getting into NFTs because it's hot. If we got into it or if we said, okay, we're going to become the NFT guys, it's not going to work out. You're going to fizzle out very quickly because there's no inherent curiosity. So the inherent curiosity is such a hard thing to listen to because it's usually the signal in the noise that goes on in your brain. Right now, my brain has 15,000 channels of frequencies and whatnot about all these other things that I do. But every once in a while, when you take a break, when you sit down, when you have this flow moment, the inner voice that tells you that this is the stuff that you enjoy doing, put more of this out there in the world. And combined with people wanting it is when you become the niche person. How do you go about monetizing now? 
So I think monetization is a tricky question to answer before you feel like you have sufficient size and quality of audience. And so my first advice is basically get that tipping point of the size of the audience and the quality of the audience, and then you can play around a few things. Back into the experimentation thing we talked about, you can do paid sponsorships on your newsletter. You, know, you can do specific like exclusives on particular tools or particular companies that you want to highlight. So there's like several things you can try. I haven't explored much into monetization myself beyond the basic things that I've done like a couple ads, but uh, a lot of people keep telling me that I should do a community play, like basically like what Dave Gerhardt has done for his marketing audience. And I could probably do one for building public audience, but I have zero bandwidth to handle another community outside of Ondex knockout community. Which one actually day, maybe. segues into my next question. Has your work as a creator made your current role possible at OnDeck? Yeah, a thousand percent. If you saw the way I got hired into OnDeck was done very publicly. And a lot of my earlier work in no code was documented profile that inside of OnDeck, I've seen some commentary before, you know, and about what they were talking about. And there's the keeping tabs on people. By the time I got to OnDeck, I had, I think, eight or 10 projects. And in fact, I was very active on Twitter, sharing no-code projects or no-code people, talking about what no-code trends are coming up next, and also community. You know, I did like a bunch of community things before OnDeck. And yeah. so when I finally decided to join an ambitious startup, which was an inflection point in my career, because I had a new visa at the time, and I was like, okay, now this visa allows me to work for anybody, Thread. And I called that Thread the bad signal, which was essentially, it was like, I think, uh, seven or eight points about why I would be a great fit in an ambitious startup. And Ooh. it came from a place of strength. And when I wrote it, it almost sounds very counterintuitive to how generally job seekers go after companies, because I wrote it as if I was a free agent in NBA. Because my belief was I have the absolute clarity on what I want to do and where I want to be, what kind of places and people that I want to associate with. And eventually I want to be a founder, but I want to be at a place where it's the best pit stop that I can ever imagine. And I want to be surrounded by ambitious people. And then I listed all these qualities and I put my no-code projects in one of the tweets. So everything was out there. It was like proof of work, proof of visibility. So many people retweeted that. And I remember, as a recall, I think I had about 16 interviews after that thread. Oh, wow. And the last three gave me offers, one of them becoming on deck, and then I accepted on deck. What's your North Star metric for success? How do you know you're on the right path? It's a great question. If I look at my day-to-day -day and evaluate how much of my time am I spending that is an investment as opposed to an expense, I think that's something that I think about often is building relationships and like exploring my curiosity. Like I said, like the racket is a new avenue for me to explore my curiosity combined with if I'm interviewing people that I respect, admire, and I want to learn from, that also fulfills that building relationships bucket combined with doing the kind of work that I, only I can do like or the things that I do that are play to me, like basically like everything that I do within On Deck, ODNC, at least the No Code Fellowship, is play to me because I get to be an architect of what would be the Disneyland for No Coders. <laughs> so I'm like, this is awesome because I literally was someone who wanted something like this three years ago. So I get to relive so much of my early days of being a No Coder through the new fellows who are joining and being there for them and watching them rise very quickly and go to great places gives me so much joy. What's your current goal as a creator? 
My current goal, I think one thing that I was thinking about earlier this year is to get to a sizable number on Twitter. And I, I don't know if I'm doing a great job at it. I, I think there's like threads and there's so many things that I could do. It's a matter of timing and priority and sitting down and actually knocking them out. But I'm at about 13, 14K now. Definitely want to get to 20K end of the year. And so much of it is about like, giving out content, like putting out content, giving value. So it's a question of how quickly can I execute? And the second thing I have is actually want to explore YouTube. And not necessarily, I don't have a subscriber count goal, but I want to explore YouTube. I've been a big fan of Gary Chan, what he's doing with YouTube. And only in a, in a span of a year, he's put out incredible content. I think the power of YouTube, I was chatting with somebody the other day and they told me, this is a guy in Nigeria. I was having an interview with him about something related to no code. And he shared with me that he watched Gary Chan's video. And I'm like, that's amazing. Gary Chan records a video somewhere in Bay Area. Like he probably doesn't even know like how far the distribution reaches of YouTube. And he doesn't have like millions of people. He, he has sizable, but not like Casey Neistat. But someone out there in Nigeria or, or India are watching these videos and they're getting inspired. They're taking action on their dreams. I think that's a such a satisfying and fulfilling thing. This year's theme, as I'm noticing, is around conversations and interviews. I think I enjoy conversations. I enjoy learning from other smart, ambitious, interesting, and kind people. So I want to leverage that skill that I've been blessed with, which is asking the right questions, being thoughtful, and then drawing interesting answers from them. And I want to explore that in all possible mediums, YouTube, podcasts, or racket and whatnot. If you could send a tweet back to your start, what would it be and when would it be? You get to choose the start. Oh, that's a great question. It would be 2011 when I first moved to the U.S. from India. And I was so naive. I was such a, I was 21 year old. And I think I spent a lot of time idealizing some of these legends in Silicon Valley or tech in general, because I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I always wanted to be a tech founder, but I spent so much time, maybe 2011 to all the way, maybe even 2016, five, six years, idolizing them and trying to look like them on the surface, forgetting that what I was born with was enough. The point is not trying to be the next Steve Jobs. The point is to be the first KP. And for mm. that to happen, you need to basically stand up and actually be proud of your story, your flaws, the history, your mistakes and your limitations and put them aside and say, okay, here's all the stuff that I can't use them in my future, but here's the stuff that I can absolutely use, which is your skills. All of us have been given some random bag of skills. Now that skills combined with your curiosity as a torch will take you into the future forever if you are building in public. The one piece of tweet that I would have given myself is that KP, shut the fuck up and build in public, man. Why are you doing all this shit privately? Because I did <laughs> so many things not on the internet. Somebody sent me a tweet from James Clear uh, who quotes like Albert Einstein's calling out compound interest as the eighth wonder. And I was like, what? At the time, I didn't get it. But now I fully understand it. Like everything that you do compound, if you don't do things that compound over time, you're royally screwed. It doesn't matter if you got better at a skill, but if you do things that compound, so building public or putting out content, podcasts, whatever, all of this actually compounds if you have the intentionality. So to get that down to 280 characters for me. I'll say this, you're enough unique and valuable. Stop trying to be someone else, be authentic and build in public. <laughs>